I want to begin by just saying a couple things that I think are uh, maybe helpful information for us. And first of all, um, Renee, it's great to have you here from Slovenia. And we're going to hear more about um, what God is doing here in the coming weeks. It's wonderful to have you back, even for a little while. Um, I also wanted to mention um, the past year has been interesting, hasn't it? Um, Every year is interesting. Um, A year has gone by, and uh, some of the people that one year ago were here worshiping with us have gone to be with the Lord. We've had some people who have entered into the gates of glory. And we may be a little bit sad about that, but I guarantee you they're not. Okay? They're not. We've also had, by the blessing and praise be to God, we've had some people enter the kingdom of God. We've had some people become Christians in the past year, and that's exciting, and that means so much to us and stirs our hearts. And so I think as I begin, I just just want to give us a reminder that our God is so good, and He offers things to us that we could not even imagine uh, being offered to anyone, but He offers them freely to us through Jesus Christ. So this morning I'm going to do, I'm going to do something that maybe. Maybe it's not normal for me to say, but I'm going to grant you, I'm going to grant you biblical authority to think about yourself today. Um, most of the time we're trying not to think about ourselves so much, but I want you to think about yourself today. But I want you to think about yourself through the lens of what God is doing and what he has in mind for you and in store for you. And so I want you today to think about your super body. Caleb and Claire were just reading to us about our super bodies, the super bodies that God's going to give to us. And I want to tell you how different our mindset is from God. When I was in high school, um, I had become a Christian, so I wasn't part of this. But I would have been. Oh, me, I would have been. But there was a thing where our guys, a lot of guys, I guess guys who thought they were really cool and really had a lot to say, and we had these guys who, um, they would stand in the hall, and they had numbers one to ten, and as girls walked by, they would hold up numbers as to what they thought the hottest girl in school was a ten, and, you know, not so hot was five, and what they considered really ugly, so two, one, and they had the audacity to do that, and it was terrifying, and I guarantee you there were girls that were scarred for life, for life, because of the way we think and the way we measure what we think of. But can I, can I tell you that when we get to heaven, there's just going to be one sign. And everybody walks by and it's going to go, 10. Next person, 10. Another person, 10. Believe it or not, we're all going to have super bodies <laughs> when we get to heaven. And I don't know how the world may rate you. And I guarantee you the world is cruel. The world is cruel. Jesus already rates you a 10. 
not only as you are currently, but for what he has in store for you. And so tonight, today, we're going to talk about our future super bodies. Are you okay with that? We're going to talk about our future super bodies. So here's, here's the thing, I, illustration I thought of. So if I told you that you just want a super cruise, the best one available, what would you do? Well, you'd start asking questions like, well, where, when, what about it? And then you would immediately go and find out and go to the internet and start searching it out. You would be so excited. It's like, I, we want a super cruise. We're going on a super cruise. But if I say you're going to heaven when you die, most people would say, cool, and move on. They really would. I said, you're going to heaven when you die. Cool. And they would just move on. So why are we, why are we not more excited about this? Like, why doesn't this just excite the bejeebies out of you? It's like, and let me tell you why I think it doesn't. I understand. I know. I know. I believe I'm going to heaven. But I'm not sure that I'm as excited as I ought to be. And here's why. Here's some reasons why. Like, why aren't we? It's like, that's so dumb. Why aren't we? Well, there's several reasons. And I, I want to pr- propose these, present these reasons. And one is that er- the, er- the world occupies a lot of the current space in my mind. The world keeps me very busy. And therefore, sometimes I don't think about it because I'm so busy in this world that I really don't think about the next one as much as I should. Another thing is it's kind of hard to grasp heaven sometimes. Sometimes I have trouble understanding what a heavenly existence would look like and therefore I probably get a little frustrated trying to think of it and go, well, it'll be awesome when I get there. And you're, you're probably like that some and that's okay, but that explains what, a little bit of the reason why. Another reason is because there's always an endless debate over all future Bible texts. It's called eschatology and sometimes it's called um, eschatology that deals with end times in a large scale, but then sometimes people have what they refer to as personal eschatology. What's my future look like? And sometimes we hear a lot of debate on this stuff. So we kind of get lost in the fog of it all. I'm going, well, somehow we'll, we'll sort it out eventually. But then I think there's another reason that's very important. It's because right now we're right in the middle of the war zone. And sometimes it's hard to think about peace when you're in war. And we're living in a war zone. So that's just some reasons why. But can I say that I'm excited this morning that 1 Corinthians grants us biblical authority and permission to think about ourselves and what we're going to look like in light of what Christ has done for us. It's not healthy to think about myself apart from Christ. But in Christ, God is saying, I have almost wonderful future. I have a future body, a super body for you. Is anybody like amen on that? Would you trade in this body you got for a super body? Good. Is anybody so satisfied with your present body you don't want a super body? Like, no way. If I ask any single person, are there some things you would like to fix about your current body? Yep. You would go, yes, I would. And I'm not going to tell all the Christians this, but I'd probably have plastic surgery too if I needed to. It's like someone at church might get mad at me for saying that is so worldly. But do you know what? It's built upon the idea that God has better things for us. I'm not telling you to go do that. I'm just saying let Jesus, wait for Jesus to do surgery. Okay, it's going to be way better than Dr. So-and-so. He's going to turn you into a super body. You can go have surgery in this life, but it's still going to wear out and wrinkle and tear up and destroy and fall apart. We are all one day 
praise be to God, going to have super bodies. That excites me. I mean, I know you're thinking, what could he possibly fix? But for, for me, but um, I'm... I'm excited about having a super body. So here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about resurrection bodies. I want to talk about a resurrection event. And then I'm going to ask you to pick your team captain. Okay? I want to talk about resurrection bodies. And the first thing that we learn in this passage is that they're physical bodies. We're going to have physical bodies in heaven. We're not just going to float. We're not just going to be weird ghosts like Casper and... I mean, we're going to have physical bodies. It's exactly the first thing Paul is trying to, he says, he's in the resurrection chapter. And so the question is, Christ has risen from the dead. And what does that mean for you and me? Well, one thing it means is that we're going to rise too, but it's going to mean you're going to have a physical body. Heaven's going to be a physical place. It's not just a concept or an idea. And listen to what he says. Like there's some people going, how can, how can that be? Like, what, what happens, what kind of body will they have? I know, I know this one's like old and ratty or wearing out or just young, beautiful when you're young and it just gets downhill from there. Okay, that's how we feel. That's what they were thinking. It's like, what? How can the dead be raised? With what kind of body? Like, what will you look like? What kind of body will we have? And then Paul goes through a few things and the first thing he says, well... Um, you'll know when it happens, it's kind of like a seed. It's kind of like a, um, wheat. When the wheat dies for the wheat to grow, the, the wheat is up here floating in the wind. You see those beautiful pictures of a wheat field and the wind's blowing. It's like the, that's alive and then it's cut and it dies and it's no longer connected to life-giving power of the ground and rain and photosynthesis, all that. It just dies and it's a seed. But for it to grow again, it has to die and be planted and it's like, Planted in the ground is just kind of a picture of death going into the ground, the grave, and then it and then it comes to life again, and that's one picture. And God saying, "Well, there is one illustration I'd like to mention to you. It's kind of like even in the natural realm, something can die and come back bigger and better. So that's possible. And then He says, "There's also like also in the natural realm, in this existence of things, there's like animals." And they all have their, uh, their bodies. Each one has a body. Like all f- There's things that have flesh. It's like, well, we have seeds. And then we have flesh. Not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for a- humans, animals, birds, fish. And it's like God made animals perfectly suited for the realm in which they're existing. Like we live in this realm. We're currently set up and fit for this realm. We have, living in this world, we have worldly bodies. Our our bodies fit the realm. And God designed a realm for birds and a realm for fish, and that's why the the bodies look the way they are. He uniquely uniquely designs something for the realm in which he wants it. So why wouldn't we think he could make bodies fit for a heavenly realm? Look how good he did on an earthly realm. Why would we think, why is that surprising to us? Okay, and then... And he says, and then there's like, there are like things that we call heavenly things. It's not necessarily heaven, but we think of, when we talk about look to the heavens, we're kind of saying look up at the sky. And he says, well, even up in the sky there's things, um, stars, moon, sun. And that realm, those bodies, the body, the mass of a planet or a star or a moon, 
They're all perfectly suited for the realm that they belong to. Why would you, why would you think God can't do that? And there is one glory in all these different ways. And then he says, well, let me tell you about your super body. I make natural bodies. I can make a super body. I can make a body fit for heaven. I made, I made everything else. Why is it hard for God to, to do this? And our brains, if you can read Genesis 1-1, then nothing else is a problem. Seriously. And he's like, why would, why would this be a problem in your brain? And then he even draws it, draws it back to the power of the resurrection. Like, look at what Jesus is our model. If Jesus is the model of someone that died, like that Colonel Louis went into the grave and come out, came out with a resurrection body. Jesus didn't come out as just a spirit. He came out as a, uh, with a body, a resurrected body. And so Jesus was the first one to get his super body. And that's what we have here. And so he starts describing these two, two realms. He said the one realm, in this realm your body is perishable. It's like destructible. Does anyone feel that? Anyone feel perishable these days? Anyone feel? Mike? Uh, anybody else? Anybody you feel perishable? Anybody have some aches and pains you're going through and you feel like things are wearing out, wearing down? Um, if there was a place you could drive in and drive out with a new model, you'd do it. Um, we're perishable. But the super body is imperishable. We'll never perish. That's cool. The present body is sown in dishonor. Like we're told, we're, we're born in sin. We're born with problems and we're born tilted in the direction of self-destruction. We're born with depravity, depraved. We have a depraved nature. We will destroy ourselves. It's built into us. We are a built-in time bomb walking around waiting to destroy our world and destroy ourselves. We're dishonorable. But we'll be raised in glory. All that will be done away with. All the, all the dishonor, all the potential for sin, all the stuff that ruins us will be eliminated and we'll be, we'll be honorable in glory. We'll be sharing in the glory of the resurrection of Jesus. We'll be glorious beings. Folks, I have no idea how good you're going to look, but it's going to be good. We were sown in weakness, raised in power, weakness, Weakness means I can't do all the things I want to do. I can try. I can be stronger than some. I can be stronger. I could be the strongest man in the world, but I'm still weak. Strongest man in the world is just only stronger than other people. Not strong. He can't lift a planet. Weak, weak, weak ooh and off, he can lift a lot of weight. And think about how piddly that weight is. He can't even lift this gym. You think you're so strong? Lift the gym. Olympian, the world champion, can only lift a little. He just can lift more than us. So we're going, ooh, ah, oh, but we're like going this week. Really weak. But we're going to be raised in power. Our body's not going to be limited. Like I don't know what we can lift in heaven. I don't know. Maybe everything's light. I don't know. It just says whatever weakness we have, we will have power. Our weakness will replace with power. It'll be moral weakness physical weakness that declines and we fade and we get tired and we wear out but it's all the, whatever that is it's going to be 
and power, like an endless source of power and, you know, heavenly calories, I guess. And then we're sown a natural body and raised in a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So my present body is made for this natural realm and my future body will be made for the spirit, a spiritual realm. Now that doesn't mean spiritual. Here the word spiritual doesn't mean not a body. It's like it's not making a contrast to say here you have a body, there you don't have a body. It's talking about realms, the realm. We were made for this natural realm and heaven is a spiritual realm. It's still a real realm and a physical realm. And one reason we know that is because Jesus is our model and Jesus raised from the dead and he had a body. And he ate fish and hugged his disciples. And we're going to be, we're going to have a spiritual body. Here's the point. God will give us the body completely fit for the realm in which we're going to be in. He will give us a heavenly body. Right now we don't have that. But we will. This is what he's done for us. This is what the resurrection has purchased for us. Jesus went forward. And so, and then he starts talking about Adam, and now he's going really theological. And I was like, well, let's get theological. Okay, here's what, how much your, here's what your super body's going to look like, but let me tell you how this works. And he gets theological because he's got, you got model A, Adam, and model J, Jesus. You want to be a model A or a model J? And then he explains how this works. Like you either go into the factory and you come out of Model A or you go into the Jesus factory and you come out of Model J. It's like you get to pick which model you want to be. You have this life to pick which model. Who, who's, which model are you designed after? And we all come Model A. Everyone comes a Model A. But you have to choose to go to the Model J factory. Right now you're a Model A. And, and let's, let's hear, Model A is Adam... The first man, thus it is written, the first man became a living being. That's Adam. That's model A. That's the A factory. And the last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. There's a big difference between Adam had life given to him by God, but Jesus is life, the life giver. So everyone has life from God, but Jesus has the power to give us an entirely new life that Adam can't do for us. Okay, the spiritual that is first, the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth. That's Adam from the dust of the ground, a man of dust. Second is from heaven. Adam came from the ground. Jesus came from heaven down, as was the man of dust. So are those who are of the dust. Like We're like our father, our father Adam. We're all model A as the man of heaven. So all those who are of heaven, just as we have been born of the image of man, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We're born bearing the image of our father, Adam. We're born in this human nature and our nature is sinful. Therefore, we become sinners. We sin because we have a sinful nature. We sin because we don't start sinning and then become a sinner. We sin because it's our nature to sin. And then Jesus gives us a new nature. And that new nature is to be like Him. And we're working on it. The transition has begun, but the real transformation hasn't occurred. And that's where we're going now. It's like, okay, so we have this beautiful picture, a physical body. It's a super body. We're now united with Jesus. And then, well, now it's getting really good. Like, well, when's all this going to happen? This is awesome. This is really cool. 
I just thought I was getting saved, but I didn't know I was getting a super body. This is really cool. Okay, so then he goes on and he begins to say, well, first of all, let's talk about when it's going to happen. But first of all, we need to know that it must happen. It has to happen. I tell you, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So if you don't change, you can't go there. If you don't change, you're not suited there. You don't have the equipment. You don't have the... It's like you might want to live at the bottom of the sea, but you can't do it unless you get um, help like an air pack. And, a, you know, you can live out in space, but you weren't made to live out there. So you have to have air and oxygen. And so you can think you're going to, but you're not going to because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's a different realm. And you have to be fitted for that. And then it says... Does the, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Like this doesn't work. And then he says, ah, I, behold, I, I tell you a mystery. It's like he's, he's telling something that's been mysterious. It's like it's been a mystery, but it's been revealed. God revealed this information to Paul for you and me. And I think, I think it's really great information. I like it. I'm liking this study. I like learning about my super bottle, super body. Okay, I'm like, this is great. Okay, so it says... Well, here's part of the mystery. Number one, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Sleep here is uh, a, a way the Bible talks about death. And like if you're walking along, um, well, I don't know that this would normally happen. Okay, so you're in a room with someone and, and they leave this world and they might not even move. They might have been in a stage where it was a slow decline and someone could go, well, it looks like they're sleeping. And many people have gone to a funeral and they have an open casket and it looks, it looks like they're asleep. And the little kid, Daddy, what's wrong? Grandpa just looks like he's asleep. And he says, well, honey, Grandpa's not there. It does look like he's sleeping, but he's gone to be with the Lord. He's gone. He's not there. That's, his, that's what he left behind. That's his body. Well, that body is going to become a super body. He's going to be given a super body. And, okay, so, um, first of all, he has to have a super body because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And then here's the mystery. We shall not sleep, but we all shall be changed. And here's something really cool. It's going to happen instantly, permanently, and universally. It's going to happen. It's going to be some party. Can you imagine? This is not, what, what are the shows with all the dead people walk around? They're ugly. It ain't nothing like that. They're the ugliest things. Their legs fall off and their head gets bashed and then they still die sometimes. It ain't nothing like that. That is a joke. That is an insult to the future. That's like death on death. We're talking about the end of death. That's like death keeps going. That's what that is. A zombie is nothing. I, zombie and Jesus are complete opposites. The zombie world that everyone thinks is so cool is not cool at all. It's absolute death. It's a picture of the horror of death. And Jesus, and what Jesus is declaring is the death of death. No more death. Death ends. He's terminating it. There will be no zombies in heaven. There'll be new bods, super bods. Everybody will be a top ten model. Okay? It's just everybody. You keep looking around going, man, she's beautiful. He is so handsome. And... I probably, probably won't be any mirrors because we might get stuck when we walk past that mirror and go, whoa, had no idea I could look this good. Probably won't be any mirrors. 
Okay, maybe there will. I don't know, but it'll just be normal, what we were always meant to be. Okay, and then it says, um, okay, then there's this, it happens so suddenly. And it says, we shall not all be asleep, which means some people will still be living when this happens. There will be people who had fallen asleep or gone on to be with the Lord and their bodies went to the grave. And, but it says not everybody, which means that there will be a living generation when this happens. There will be people living. And it says that they will connect with the people. Um, there will be, it'll happen so fast, so very fast in the twinkling of an eye. Um, that's pretty fast. I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe we've eye twinkled a million times just when we've been sitting here. If we add up all the eye twinkles. I don't know. I don't know how many times your eye twinkled. And you blinked. I don't know. But it was a lot since I've been preaching. And it only takes one, one, one twinkle. That's how fast it can be. That's how fast when God does it. It's like, boom. Like it wasn't, and then it was. It's like, well, why slow down into slow-mo? It's, you can't even slow it down into slow-mo. It's so fast. Slow-mo doesn't even go that fast. It's like instantly, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Well, if you don't like trumpet playing, you better start liking it. You better love that heavenly brass choir. When he blows that trumpet, you just better be excited. I mean, actually, by the time the trumpet finishes blowing, you'll probably be the new you. And it's like the trumpet blows, and before it finishes its note, you're like, whoa. You first hear the trumpet, you're old man, and the new man hears the trumpet before the sound quits, and you're like going, whoa, look at me. I can fly. I don't know what all you can do. But whatever it is, you'll have your super body. And it'll happen that fast. And I don't know which trumpet it is. I don't know which trumpet. I read commentaries. I looked and I said, well, which trumpet? Is that the seventh trumpet of the trumpets of Revelation? And some said, absolutely it is. And some said, absolutely it's not. I don't know. I just know I'm waiting for that trumpet. I don't care if it's number five, number six, number seven, number eight. Maybe it's the trumpet after that. I don't know. But there will be a trumpet sound. I do know this. I don't have my eschatology as figured out as well as some people. And some people have it so figured out that I don't listen to them. I don't, I don't want to listen to them. They got it all figured out. And so all I know is that a trumpet will blast. And the, the point is not to figure out which trumpet it is. It's to point out the fact that it will happen so quickly. It will happen. It will be on signal. On signal. God will be the one determining when it will happen. And it will happen, and it will be done, and it will be over, and it will be, a, it will be unmistakable, and it will be forever. And then, oh, man, our musicians, boy, they picked some great songs today. I just like, oh, the first one they sang, they go, oh, we need to end with that one. The second one, they go, oh, we need to end with that one. Third one, we need to end with that one. It's like, all these songs are like, who picked these? They were perfect. I was just thinking how, man, we were singing, and I thought of this line. I, I, I don't remember which song it was, but I wrote it down. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And I was sitting there praying as we were singing. I just had to sit down and go, oh, Lord, that's so true. The battle belongs to you, and we're in this battle. And then, then this phrase really got me. You silence the boast of sin and the grave. You, saw, you shut the mouth of death. That's, what, that's, that's 1 Corinthians 15. It's like you, death, you shut your mouth. It's sewed up. He can't even speak if he wanted to. Can't even mumble. 
Okay, and here's where this chapter goes. Listen to it. After it says this great moment will happen and this perishable body must put on imperishable. This mortal body will put on immortality. Is anybody excited about this? Did anybody ever struggle with things? Have you had a struggle? Have you had a problem with drugs? Have you had a problem with alcohol? Have you had a problem with sexual relationships? Do you wish you'd done many, many things in your life over? May I tell you that all the ravages of that sin will be eliminated and you will be a new you, a super you. You won't remember anything. There won't be any scars or wounds from the old you, Jesus and the power of the resurrection is going to so set you free from the ravages of sin and death that you won't even know. It will only be a faint memory because I only think the reason God will let us remember what we were is because he wants us to know how we became what we are. He will say, look at what I did for you at the cross. Whatever, if you're here today and you're like, man, I wish I could be different. You can be different. You can be different. You can be entirely different. Okay, and then he says, and then he says, that he quotes these Old Testament passages and he says, death is swallowed up in victory. It's like death has been taunting you from the day you were born. Death has been screaming. You try past a graveyard and you're a cemetery and that thing, I got a spot for you. I got a plot for you. I got some ground for you. And you go past the ER and it's like, well, we got room for you. We just took out a few this week. We got room. We'll take you out. And life is coming along screaming at you and death is going, I'm taking you out. Oh, you just bide your time. You might be doing good. You might think you're young and healthy, but I can take you out with a car wreck. I can take you out with a disease. I can take you out with a fire. I can take you out with a tornado. I can use a typhoon. I can take you out. And Jesus says, death is swallowed up in victory. Shut your mouth. Death is gone. It has no power over you. Oh, death, where is your victory? Mocking. The Bible is mocking death. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? It's mocking. Where's your sting now, big boy? What are you boasting now? And it's like, oh, death, where is your sting? Death has a terrible sting. But you know what? I'm not looking forward to death. I'm not like, oh, man, I'd like to die a bunch of times. No. But I look forward to the fact that death is not the end, it's an entry. Death is an entry for the Christian. It's not the end, it's an entry into the kingdom of God. And it's where I'm going to eventually get my super body. Okay? And it says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. So there's this law and it's a powerful law. It's an immovable law. It's an irreplaceable law. God has established a law. God is the law giver. But he's also been described up ahead as the life giver. So God the lawgiver, has established a law. And that law says sin will kill you. Period. Sin will kill you. And it's in you. And it'll kill you. Okay, so how do I deal with the sin in me? Christ dealt with it on the cross. I tried to deal with it. I tried to quit sinning. Of course, that didn't help me with my record already because I already had a record of sin. So even if I stop sinning now, what am I going to do with all the sin I had in the past? Because sin will kill you. It's in me. It's in me. Sin's all in me. It's all in my thinking. It's all in my heart. It's all in my mind. It's all in my past. It's even in my future. I wished it weren't. But as long as I'm living in this life, sin is still around me and in me. And sometimes I do it. But it's no longer my master. Because Jesus is. And I claimed him as like, Jesus, be my Lord. 
be my Lord. I love sin. I really do. I wish I didn't. I love it, and I have to fight against it. It's very tempting to me. I don't know about you, but I find sin very delicious. And I have, but it always leaves a bad taste. You know what? It's good in, bad out. It's just good in. It's like, ooh, that looks good. Well, it only hurt for a couple of days. Ooh, that's good. Well, it's worth the consequence. You know, when I was a kid, I don't know about some of you, but I used to measure the punishment to figure out if the thing I wanted was worth the punishment I was going to get. And a lot of times it was like, heck yeah. Man, that spanking ain't going to sting too long. But having fun with my friends is all night long. I get in trouble later and I thought the consequence of fun outweighed the consequence of the punishment. But folks, that's never true in the ultimate sense. And so here's the, here's the thing. Okay, we come down to the end and it says... The power of sin is the law, like the law. But guess what? The power, the resurrection is also, and the crucifixion of Jesus is also declaring the power of the law because the point is, it was lawful. Jesus kept the law. He didn't just say, no, we're going to ignore the law. It's like, no, the power of death, the law claims that the power of sin brings death. But the same law says that one may atone for sin. And Jesus came to keep the law and fulfill the law. And therefore, it is completely lawful in the highest court in the universe, in the courtroom of God, that if you trust in Jesus, then Jesus will legally and lawfully place His righteousness over your sin in the courtroom of God. So in Christ, when God... The judge looks upon you. He sees the righteousness of Christ over you and he sees your sin no longer in you but back at the cross atoned for by Jesus and that's completely legal. It's lawful. So there we have the power of the law negatively. Sin will kill you and the power of the law positively is Jesus will save you. Okay? And then he says, thanks be to God. That's about all I can say after all that. Thanks be to God. Who gives us the victory. Gives. Gives us the victory. You won't earn the victory. Quit trying to earn the victory. Quit trying to be a good person and think that's going to impress anybody. Your goodness ain't squat. It stinks. It really stinks. It stinks when you go to God and you offer, here's my goodness. And he says, what? Goodness is my son Jesus. And you're claiming your claiming your goodness is good enough when I sent... So you're saying I didn't need to send my son? I sent my son to suffer all that? And you're coming up here daring to boast in front of me that you're good enough without my son dying on the cross for you? Can you imagine the insult that that is to the living God that he gave his only beloved son to die for your sins and you're going to flaunt your little good works? I went to church. I read my Bible. I witnessed. I went on four mission trips. My son died for your sins. Don't ever boast about what you did. It's what he did for you. Don't bring that mess in my house. And then he says, but here's what I've done for you. No one comes in boasting about what they've done. They fall on God and grab hold and love God for what he's done. And so... Praise be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we get our hope. That's where we get our new life. Jesus is the model. We attach ourselves to the Jesus train. In that sense, Jesus is our representative out front. And so the question I want to ask you, who do you choose to be your leader? 
who will lead you, who is your team captain. You're like, I want to be team captain, then beware. That you're going to have to stand before God and answer. And you're not going to have an answer. Or choose Jesus and he'll stand before you and he has an answer and it's in his blood. Okay, so you have to choose your team leader. I choose Jesus. I choose, I tried me, I tried to figure out how I could, I wanted to be captain so bad. I wanted to rule my life. I wanted to run my life and it was pitiful. But I came over to King Jesus. And then I started realizing, King Jesus, your path is way better than the one I chose anyway. I was so stupid. I thought that sin was so delicious, but I didn't see the afterbite it has. And you have now set me free on a new course. And so that's what I want to talk about. So there's two things I want to encourage you to do. And 58 says, well, what should you do, beloved brothers? Like Christians, beloved brothers, Christian, my Christian brethren, what should you do? Number one, be steadfast. Steadfast means you're steady. You don't move. You're immovable. It's kind of similar to the second one. It's like be steadfast, be immovable. Like take your stand and stay there. Choose Jesus and stay with him. Stay with him. No matter how high the tide gets, no matter how hard the earth rocks, no matter what shakes, Jesus be the rock. He's immovable. You stay with him. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay with Jesus. Don't let anyone trick you, deceive you. If someone tricks you, then run back to Jesus. You know, sometimes people fall into a season of trickery and they'll go, oh, I found this new church I want to go to. I found this new thing to do. And they run after it a little while, but because Jesus loves you, he alerts you you to go that's not the path and you might get off the course for a little bit and Jesus says stay with me stay with me and Jesus runs after his own he runs after you and he calls you back to himself and he says "Mm, you're chasing the wrong things come back and be immovable and then he says always abounding in the work of the Lord like always like partnering with God it's like seeing everything that you do is connected to the work of God it's like Lord God I'm going to be a carpenter for your glory I'm going to be a coach for your glory I'm going to be a teacher for your glory I'm going to be a lawyer for your glory I'm going to enter politics for your glory that's even possible it's like I'm going to do for your the work of the Lord is now my heart and my life And so what I've been called to do as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a son or a daughter, as an athlete, as a student, as a technician, whatever I do now belongs to Jesus. And my work is the work of the Lord because the Lord is in me working in the sphere that he's placed me. And he's given me the word of God and the spirit of God so that I can live and be a witness and I can make this world better. Because as I work, I'm showing reflections of the creativity God has put in me, but I'm doing it for the purpose of displaying God to others. And it all makes sense. And Jesus is saying, stay with me, stay with me, stay focused, keep serving me, serve me where I put you, serve me where I put you. And then to the non-Christian, the only thing I can say is, what are you waiting for? Come on. Come now. Come today. What are you waiting on? Do you seriously want to be captain? Do you want to be the captain of your ship? Where's it gotten you to this point? I'm, I'm literally asking, I'm pleading with you. Where has you, your leadership, gotten you to this point? Are you happy or fulfilled? If you are so happy, then I, honestly, I have zero to offer you. I have nothing. If you're content, you're like, I am happy. I don't want anything. That's your call. 
But I pray that Jesus will make you unhappy because you're living a lie. And sometimes you have to say, Lord, take this ship down. Sometimes that's when we pray that horrible prayer and say, Lord, whatever it takes for my son or my daughter, whatever it takes for my spouse, whatever it takes for my friend, whatever it takes for my family, whatever it takes. And it takes a lot because it takes for me, okay, I'll, I'll tell you my weight. I'm about 190. I'd like to be a little less, okay? I'm working on it. But for me, it takes 190 pounds to get me off myself and to turn to God. I have to get completely off myself. Somebody has to lift me off me so I can see Jesus. And so if you're here today, I don't know what you weigh, but that's how much pounds it takes to get you off yourself and where you look to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I can't do this. I turn to you. And by the way, I want one of those super bodies. There's nothing wrong with praying like that. I want one of those, Jesus. Is that what you thought? Is that part of the package? I want one of those. Because the one I got now is wearing out. And it's not going to last. Okay? Good stuff, huh? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You're so good to us beyond measure. And I just thank you, God, that it makes sense to us when we hear it. Before, we kind of laughed at all the ideas. We laughed at Christianity. We laughed at the idea of heaven and eternity. But Lord, it's, it's really not funny. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing that the resurrection makes all this happen. The resurrection of Jesus makes all of this happen. Thank you, God. Thank you for Jesus, the victory in Jesus. That's what we claim, victory in Jesus. Thank you, God, for Jesus rising from the dead, having a real body, and being our great leader. Choose Jesus today, my friend. Come to Christ. Trust in Jesus. Put your faith in Him this very day. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Let that be your prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Just did.